the Broadway musical, a staple in American culture. And sometimes those musicals, which have their humble beginnings on a stage, find their way to the glitz and glam of Hollywood. And sometimes the other way around. On this podcast, we discuss all of those movie musicals that have made our hearts sing, cringe, and cry. This is Stage Rant. Five, six, seven, eight. Welcome to Stage Rant, your favorite podcast, where two dudes, both equally secure in their masculinity and sexuality, talk about the biggest shows that made their way from the big stage to the small screen. Every week, myself, Adam, a man who used to date a girl from Chicago and misses Chicago more than her, discuss the history of a movie musical with... Joe, a man who is unquestionably, Adam, given into mm. the sinful temptations of hot jazz. Ooh. Hey, you Ooh. kids like jazz? <laughs> uh, with a lot of pointed, strong opinions. So mm. each week, we watch a movie musical and are sometimes joined by a friend who we may or may not have forced to join us. So mm. let's go ahead, pull back the curtain, and get started. So Joe, tell me. What do murder podcasts, the paparazzi, and paid and a pay to win league? <laughs> <laughs> I did not look at that before I read it. <clears throat> Sorry. It's and... like Stefan on SNL. <laughs> I just changed the lyrics beforehand. So Joe, tell me, what do murder podcasts, the paparazzi, and a pay-to-win legal system have in common? Adam, it's gotta be Miramax's 2002 mm. Chicago. Ooh. Ooh. I love chicago this is a good one it's so much fun this is a it's a fun like so real quick we're going to go into the very brief history of the musical um and with chicago this was a kind of like a passion um project if you will from uh famed choreographer uh bob fawcett if you heard of bob fawcett uh, I know how to do the Fosse, but Fosse, I do not. Fosse, Fosse, Fosse. Fosse. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm not We've familiar. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so Bob Fosse uh, was very well known for his kind of, you know, bold, you know, sharp movements. Very big, very expressive. Um, and this also... the Like the, the sole inspiration for, like, Liza Minnelli. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100... And Liza Minnelli was actually one of the earliest actresses to work with uh, Mr. Fosse, so... It's like, strike a pose. Literally, <sighs> Fosse made Minnelli. I'm just gonna say it right now. Um, Hot take. <laughs> Fosse made Minnelli! You wouldn't be anywhere without Bob, girl! <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> we'll get to Liza Minnelli, I'm Sit sure. Sit down, Liza, again. <laughs> So the uh, music and lyrics for Chicago were written by John Kander and uh, Fred Ebb. E-B-B. Ebb. 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 This is Chicago, not New York. That's a different musical entirely. And then Boston is just... Let's not talk about that one. That's not a good... Yeah. So Chicago, written by Kander and Ebb and... The book was also written by Bob Fosse. Um, this was uh, based on a play uh, from this, of the same name from 1926. Uh, it was adapted into a musical in 1975. It ran for 936 performances until 1977. Fosse choreographed the original production, uh, and his style is strongly, strongly identified with the show. So this basically, when you think Fosse, you think Chicago. Another big one that uh, Ebb and Kander and Fosse did was Cabaret. Um, which is a much darker show <laughs> compared to Chicago because <laughs> it deals with Nazis, um, but not like in the producer's way, but like just actual They're Nazis. They're just kind of there. They're just like, there. They're not fun Nazis. This is like the, you know, the real deal, yeah. you know, 
the bad ones. You got to keep it gay. You honestly keep it gay, yeah. keep it gay, keep it gay. Uh, I would love to see a Roger Debris production of Cabaret. That of would Cabaret, be a horrible <laughs> show, but I would pay good money to see it. Uh, so then it uh, went off Broadway in uh, 1977, and then in 1996 it was brought back in a revival, uh, and it currently is the second longest running show on Broadway behind Phantom of the Opera. And then what's third? Les Mis, isn't it? Les Mis. Les Mis is third. Mm-hmm. And Chicago surpassed the second, the previous second longest running musical, Cats, <laughs> on November 23rd, 2014, uh, where it became the second longest after playing its 7,486th performance. That's a lot of jazz. That's a lot. That is all that jazz. All the jazz. Literally all the jazz and then some. And all that jazz. And uh, it is uh, the West End revival in London became the longest running American musical in West End history. So um, so successful. Successful. Very successful. Um, and the 2002 uh, film version we're talking about today... This is the only movie musical that we've covered on this podcast that has also won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Which is why? What was it up against? It was 2002. Let's do some quick uh, Googling So it was here. up against 2001 Space Odyssey, obviously. <laughs> Get it? Because it's, uh-huh. it's, it's, it's for the year that follows. Uh-huh. Yeah. <clears throat> big Kubrick fan. Uh, big... Kubrick was also tapped to direct Chicago. <laughs> And all that jazz. Jazz, jazz, <laughs> jazz, 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 jazz. Five, six, seven, eight. The 2002 Academy Award, uh, let's see, view by category. Uh, Best Picture nominations were. This was up against A Beautiful Mind. What? <laughs> Chicago Beats? Oh, a- wait, I'm so. Wait, what? Hang on. 2000. Three Oscars because this movie came out in 2002. Uh, 2002. My bad. My I was gonna bad. say, how the hell do you beat a beautiful mind? <laughs> it's not all, that, the, not it's a, all the jazz. Now bear with me. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of a beautiful mind, but it's one of those movies that is pure Oscar bait. Like you, you just accept like this was gonna win, right? Uh, okay, Best Picture in 2003, Chicago won. It was up against Gangs of New York, okay, by Martin Scorsese. Solid flick. The Hours. Never heard of it. It's a movie about suicide, so that's... Uh, a a little heavy. The Pianist. Okay. And The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. So, but then, Lord of the Rings 3 went on to be the first... To be the first Lord of the Rings. So I feel like what they did with that, and this is not a Lord of the Rings podcast, but I feel like... Are you a Lord of the Rings fan? I Not a lot, but I respect it for what it did for Mm -hmm. movie... Movies like, and, like and, and, and filmmaking. Mm-hmm. I feel like Lord of the Rings two was supposed to get the award, mm. and then they gave it to Chicago, and then they're mm. like, okay, like because Lord of the like the third one, it's fine. Yeah, like it's good. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of great CGI stuff that they do in it, but it's not phenomenal. But I felt yeah. like that was just their consolation prizes. Like, listen, we gave it yeah. to Catherine Zeta Jones and her yeah. hot jazz musical <laughs> last time. <laughs> So we'll just... Okay. No, Tangent I'm, over. I'm, I'm curious now to see if any of the... Um, okay, it also won for film editing. 
Uh, Which I would give it to, because there's yeah. a lot in this that the, there's only one CGI effect in this entire movie, mm-hmm. and it was just them replacing the flight harnesses Yeah, for when Billy Flynn's doing his flying around the courtroom little yeah. thing he does. It's very mm-hmm. cute. Um, but all, the rest of it is all practical, which yeah. is incredible, because some of the cuts and edits in this are amazing, as we'll talk about. Uh, it also won Best Costume Design. That's fair. It also won Best Art Direction. Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones won Best Supporting Actress. Uh, it checks out. Yep. And that is it. But Renee Zellweger was nominated for Best Actress in the Leading Role. But you and I both shared before we recorded... I was going to say, I'm glad she didn't get that it. That we're not big fans of Roxy Hart. I um, She has to be the most obnoxious character the on most, Broadway. The like, most annoying protagonist next to maybe right. Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz, who's complaining about going home. Like, suck it up. You're I, in magic land. Get over it. <laughs> anyway, that's my hot take on The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> I... We'll talk about Roxy when we meet her. Yeah. We'll talk about her. So let's, let's get into the stage rant. Let's get in here. So, Joe, set the scene for us. Okay, so... I, we, we have a nice synopsis here, and yeah. I feel the need to read the first line. In, I, I'm like, looking at it and just do it. Chicago, Illinois, the 1920s are roaring with hot jazz and cold-blooded killers. Bang, bang! Watch out for that Hitler, he's a bad egg. Like, <laughs> it's the that sentence really describes this entire movie perfectly. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even need the rest of this. I will say the second sentence is also good. As the overture ends, we're introduced to Velma Kelly, a vaudevillian who shot her husband and the other half of her sister act when she caught them in bed together. Ah. So I adore how this musical starts out. Because mm. it starts out with... <gasps> five, six, seven, eight. Um, and that's what a great way to start. The, the movie comes out swinging hard and big and it doesn't stop. Right. And, and like, you start off with... Tay Diggs, yeah. <laughs> who's here? <laughs> He's the yeah. band leader. Mm-hmm. He says he has probably like he says maybe forty words this entire thing, our... and it's always just like, ladies and gentlemen, gentlemen. and now a disdained Roxy mm-hmm. Hot in yeah. her rendition of blah 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 blah. He's like he's our narrator, right? Like, but what I think is great about this movie musical, and this is very unique compared to what we have seen. Um, from, like, the producers all the way to Hairspray. Like, everything we've covered. This is the only movie musical that has elements of stage performance in it that is, I would say, artistically done. And done well that's not jarring. It's like, I think, I was describing this to a friend who I watched it with. Mm-hmm. I described it to him as a pro shot of a Broadway musical. Mm-hmm. And they just inserted movie elements. Yes. Because every musical number in this entire thing mm-hmm. is set, it takes place mm-hmm. on a stage. Yeah. Which I think is a really awesome way of doing this. Because you had asked me before this, like, so have you mm-hmm. seen this live? Yes. So you've seen this live, I have not seen this live. But yeah. when you asked me, I told you that it felt like I had seen it live. Yeah. Just because of how all of these musical numbers are shot. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's somewhat ham-fisted other times though it's mm-hmm. just it's just there so like all that yeah. jazz is our opening number and this is the only instance you mentioned me seeing it live where i actually prefer the movie really to the live version because it it grounds the the musical in a way that the stage version doesn't because in the stage version like velma kelly roxy and like all the, the backup dancers the 
Cell Block Tango, all that. Everyone is in their, like, sexy outfit the whole time. So it's almost as, like, a vaudeville show that's telling the story of Roxy Hart. Hmm. And this movie grounds it as, here's the story of Roxy Hart, and here is, like, almost like dream sequences for the musical numbers, which, in my opinion, makes more sense. So I actually prefer the movie... And I think it's the only time you're ever going to hear me say that, where I prefer the movie mm. over the stage version. Fascinating. So and so, like you got all that jazz because mm-hmm. you you love that jazz. It's, it's and it song. sets the stage really well because it's mm-hmm. like this is the theme, this is the vibe you're going to get from the rest of this movie. Mm-hmm. Strap in, and so we meet we meet Roxy Hart, mm-hmm. Renee Zeldweger. Yeah, and she she's. God. She's fooling around. She's fooling around with Fred Casely. Fred Casely. I hear that guy gives good furniture discounts. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but Fred, so Fred is, is a con man. I, I mean, no, not really a con man. I, he's a, he's an honest furniture he's, salesman. He's an honest furniture salesman. He's a great, he gives, it's great quality. It's, it's decently priced. It's like that Amish furniture. It's, he sells it secondhand. Oh, totally. <laughs> this was Facebook Marketplace back then. He goes to Southern Illinois, buys it all up, brings it up to, up Chicago. to Chicago. Yeah. Um, Pays the toll roads and everything. Mm, so, like, yeah. <laughs> he he gets in with Roxy by telling her that he has connections at the club that they both frequent together. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, well, oh. Well, she thinks they frequent because we find out that that was the first time he'd ever been to that club. Right. So, but, like, she frequents it because this yes. is her dream. This is Roxy's, Roxy Hodge's yes. dream. And she she's going to strike it big. She wants to be She wants to be Velma Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um and so she's just like, hey, Fred, when are you going to talk to your people? And he's just like, I don't have any people. I hate you. Bye. And so she's like, I, okay, I'm going to shoot you in the head. And she does. Yeah. And so. <laughs> so this is going to be a fun little game we'll play throughout this. And we're really kicking to our stride when we get to the cell block tango. But Joe, I have to ask you. Yes. She killed Fred Casely. Yes. Was this. And we, yeah, it's a crime because you know, again, she killed him. But it is murder. Yeah, this is right. murder, no question about it. But is her, is her rationale for committing the crime legitimate? Absolutely not. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Okay, like you don't what? Right. Like a man lies to you. You were tricked. That's it. End of story. You right. were duped. You should have like I don't know maybe done some fact checking. Like I, it's the 1920s. It might be a little bit harder, but like. You but what confuses... I is, Okay, okay. Yeah. This is not justified in any way, shape, or form. No. It's just not... It, no. Yeah. And to me, it's not even really that big of a crime of passion, it's right? It's not. Because, like, a crime of passion is where your passion literally overrides your sensibilities. Right. And you become mentally ill to the point where you murder out of anger. Mm-hmm. She wasn't really that mad. No. He's just like, I have no connections, and by the way, you're a good lay. See you later. And he's walking out the door, and she's just like, oh, here's my husband's gun. Her husband is John C. Riley, But here's my husband's <laughs> gun. Shoots him in the head, and she's just like, oh, oh, well. Aww. Guess I'll have to find another way to start my showgirl career. And also, like, she's crying, but she's not like, over the top crying. Right. She's like, she's like, you, you can't do that. You can't say that. Bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Aw, he's like, dead. Like, what did you think was gonna happen? I just, it's ridiculous. And so, like, then, yeah. the, then the police show up, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Hey, did you murder him?" And then she had somehow convinced her husband, played by John C. Riley, poor Amos, poor Amos, Amos, Amos Hart. <laughs> he, she convinced poor John C. Riley. I don't care that his name's. 
Amos. He is John C. Riley. Andy. Um, as as uh, <laughs> we'll call him later on. Yep. So John C. Riley has been convinced by his wife. Mm-hmm. That he should take the fall for this because yeah. he'll get off because patriarchal society is the 1920s. Right. Absolutely, and they're it's super, Chicago. and they're so close. They are they're so, so close. close until the detective is like, "Hey, this guy's name is Fred Casely," and Amos, without missing any, is like, "He sold us our furniture." Right. He gave us 10% off. Like, did he not notice at any time that it took for him to arrive home? To them to come up with a scheme that the dead man in their living room was the dude who sold them their furniture. Right, like... Or did he just walk in the room and he's just like, oh, I can't look at blood, I'll, may- I'll get sick. Maybe he's just not good with faces. <laughs> <laughs> he knows names, but he can't remember faces. And so th- we get our, our second musical number after... Funny Honey. Funny Honey. What are your thoughts on Funny Honey? Because we've already established that we don't like Roxy Hart. We don't like Roxy Hart, which means her first solo number five minutes in is a little tough to swallow, I'll be honest. Yeah. I, it's it's clever because it starts out and it's, it's the two events are being paralleled. So yeah. they're being, they're talking about the incident with the detective while mm-hmm. she's singing this number, the solo number on stage. Mm-hmm. And she starts out and she's just like, I love him. He mm-hmm. loves me. Like, mm-hmm. we will do anything for each other. And then the detective's like, ah, yes, furniture man. Yeah. And then John C. Riley gets really upset. He's just like, oh, wait a second. This all just clicked immediately. Yeah. They were on the side together. Mm-hmm. She was cheating on me. And then, like, she starts getting madder throughout the song. Mm-hmm. Which, so, like... I like it for that. I like the stylistic choices. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like Roxy Hart. Yeah, the song, the, you know, switching from the kind of, you know, um, very sweet, you know, that funny... He loves me so. so... You know, and then it goes to, he shot off his trap. I can't stand that sap! And just going into that whole, like, angry bit at the end. It's fun. It's cool. But, like... I, we don't like Roxy. And you're a bad person. You're not a good person. My husband did it. Take the fall for my intentional manslaughter. And then after... Intentional she, homicide. Sorry. Yeah, after she... Premeditated. Com- after she commits murder, and she basically... So, Roxy's dumb in this scene because, one, uh, Amos gives, gives up the jig. So, bad on you, Amos, I guess. But also good on you, Amos. Because, yeah, com- you know, be honest. You're taking trying to take the fall here. With Roxy, then she immediately, in front of the detective, is like, what the fuck are you saying? You dumb bitch. You idiot. Like, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> we had a deal. Me, husband. And, like, she's like, yeah, I shot him. But he, he, he was trying to, you know, get to me. And they, like, put her in the car. And I don't think that, like, police or, like, even in the 20s were like, they say this is a hanging case. Like, right off the immediately. bat. <laughs> immediately. Like, they're like, oh, she's gonna be killed. <laughs> Which like, we, there is no police professionalism. Yeah. Maybe there isn't today. I don't know. But, like... We're not gonna get political. But to be like, hey, put her in the paddy wagon. We're gonna take her to prison where we're gonna hang her. Which is this oh, the opening sequence of Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End? It's an excellent opening. It's phenomenal. To a pretty good film. No, it's not at World's End. What's the second one? Yeah, World's End. Yeah. No, because he's dead in that one. The the hanging starts at World's End. It can't, because Jack Sparrow is... 
he it is. dies at the end. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, at World's <laughs> End is the one where he is, he's dead in it. Yeah, but the movie starts with the hanging. No, because he dies by, by the Kraken at the end of Dead... of uh... Yes, and then all the other pirates are being hung at the start of At World's End. Different movies, though. No, you're talking about the one where they... No, 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 no. <laughs> Podcast <laughs> listeners, hold on! What so, are you talking about? No, At World's End is the one that's... it's The, that, the third one. Yes, is the one that's yes. super dark and it starts with... With the hanging of, of the child. child. No, yes. I'm talking about the courtroom scene. The movie that starts with the courtroom scene where oh, Jack Sparrow pretends str- to be the judge. On, on Stranger Tides! <laughs> so she's sent to prison and the guards are like... <laughs> the guards are like, we're gonna hang that broad. And she's, and she's like, like, wait, what? I have a hanging case? Hang-? And then we get some really fun... This is the only non-musical... Some of the only non-musical music we get in this. And who would... Who would you hire to write whimsical jazz music? Danny Elfman. Danny, is it actually Danny, it's Elfman. Danny Elfman? Of course it's goddamn Danny Elfman. <laughs> when in doubt, Elfman out is what I always say. In between Tim Burton films, like, all right for Chicago. So she's in prison. Yeah. Uh, she's not having a great time. And she's, she's So she's getting ready to meet the, she's, she's, the warden. She, yeah, she's doing the intake process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm glad I, I good for Chicago for not doing the like gratuitous like naked shower yeah. dousing scene, which Guardians of the every, Galaxy yes, even does. But, but that was because Chris Pratt was hot, so they're like, I mean, he's hot now, so we have to show <laughs> up. Like this is an Andy Dwyer for Parks and Rec. Like That's he got freaking jacked for That's this. Fair. Make fair. that man naked. I don't care yeah. how you do it. That's fair. This is Disney. <laughs> um, so. So good, for, good on them. Yeah, we just see the back shot of them like measuring her yep. arms, I, I so they can know how long her arms are. <laughs> I don't know why they needed to know that, but and whatever. so she's like, she's getting ready. She's doing the intake process, mm-hmm. and we hear the mysterious voice of our boy Tay Diggs. After real quick, I'm gonna throw a little. little I don't care enough about this, but fine, fine, include it. Yeah, little cameo bit here. So she sits next to this woman. Who's smoking a cigarette, and the guard's like, put out that cigarette! How did she, uh, pause, how did she get that cigarette so fast? Um. She was just put in prison. She brought it with her. Where? Oh, I guess we didn't see the gratuitous shower <laughs> de scene. Okay. Anyway. On. Continue. Um, Prison's gross. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that is played by um, the original Velma Kelly. Um, so it's funny that she's like, you ever had mama before? Because, in a way, she has met her before. Anyway, I just think that's fun. Anyway. Uh, we, now love, we, <clears throat> we love gratuitous Gratuitous original cameos. Broadway cast cameos from 1975. Um, then Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs is back. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, the oh my gosh. And now, and now, the keeper of the keys, the, the countess, countess of the, the clank, clank, the mistress of murderer's row, Matron Mama Martin! Wop, 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 like, uh, <laughs> okay, so this is the best entrance is, of any know. musical, in my opinion. So, of course, the the warden of the of Cook County Jail, which is the only reason I know what county Chicago is in. Same. <laughs> of all, course, it's Queen Latifah. Yeah. Which I don't. Okay. What were the likelihoods? Mm-hmm. Likelihood that there would be an African American female warden in a prison. In Chicago. In Chicago uh-huh. in 1920. 
low. Not not high, right? Low. Don't get me wrong. I'm glad she's here. Yeah. But okay, sorry. Continue. Low. Um. Yeah. So essentially, this is all. It's called like when you're good to mama. I love this musical. number. I love this musical number because so it's fun. it's literally I, I call it the bribe song. Yeah, because she's like, "Hello and welcome to prison. Give me money and I will give you things." Like, welcome to prison. I'll take care of you. Right. You got to take care of me. You got to take care of mama. But I'll and, take but care mama of you. will be good to you. Yeah. And I like. I think this is one of probably top two songs. Mm. Because it's just you got the band in full swing. Mm-hmm. You like. Almost like sinister jazz yes but it's also a very seductive jazz yes because it's literally because it's flashing back and forth between her doing the intake and being like welcome Mm -hmm. to prison i'm not your friend like Mm -hmm. if things are too cold then keep your fucking mouth shut sorry explicit like keep your mouth shut yeah i don't give a shit about your problems now move out Mm -hmm. but on the, when it flashes over to the stage, mm-hmm. she's actively seducing audience members. Oh, and yeah. she's just like, you want a piece of mama? Mama mm-hmm. will be good to you. Yeah. And it's just, it's I love the parallels in this one. It is just, it's just too fun. It's such a fun. And, and it's we, Queen Latifah. It's Queen Latifah. So you gotta love yeah. it. And we, we see her like walking through the jail and like someone handing her cash and then her handing them like a little bottle of something yep. or cigarettes and... Like, we see that there's this system that she's created among all these prisoners, yep. and it just works for her. Especially, she has made a lot of deals with the women on Murderers, Murderous Row? Mur- M- Murderous Row. Murderous Row, I yeah. guess. I guess you can't really. Murder has no gender, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> so, she's made a lot of deals with the people on Murderers Row mm-hmm. um, to get them press and get them mm-hmm. connections with the outside because this is 1920 Chicago mm-hmm. and the media rules. Yeah. And so, like, if and, like, you. Bad journalism rules. Bad journalism rules. And mm-hmm. so, the whole concept of this movie is by, like, win public opinion, mm-hmm. then you can get away with anything. Yeah. And so she has placed herself, Queen Latifah, is right between the murderers and the press. And so she's... she's, So much to the point that... Like they're publicists. That later on, we come to find out that no one on Murderer's Row has ever been killed. Right. No one's ever been executed. No one, ever. So she's that good. Is she a good person? Okay, I say I say she's that good in that she's that good in making sure no one gets killed. I guess it depends on your views on... On the death penalty, uh, yeah, in 1920 Chicago, especially when the penalty was hanging, yeah, that I mean, sucked. To be fair, uh, France used the guillotine for the last time in 1997. So think about 97. Think about that. What the hell? I know <laughs> that's just unnecessary. Yeah. So we've met. So we've established that Velma Kelly has a strong relationship with Mama mm-hmm. um, right off the bat, and 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 Velma <clears throat> Kelly's hyper popular right now she's yes. doing great yeah like she has rocked mm-hmm. chicago real super qu- famous real quick there's the- a confusing time jump this movie does because we see roxy watching velma when she's arrested so what happens i figured this out okay because i was so, like the movie the movie opens with all that jazz and we see roxy watching velma on stage and uh-huh. we see that that night velma is arrested right and roxy was there too because she remembers like i was there yes. when you were arrested there is a time jump that occurs between when she leave when Roxy leaves mm-hmm. and when she murders. Yes, yes, it's like two, three months or something. Okay. They say a specific amount of time they in do? in the movie, but it's very fast. 
Gotcha. Yeah, so she she has been dating Fred Casely for an amount of time. Gotcha. That's the night she met him at the club. Oh, okay. Yes. Gotcha. That makes more sense. Um, okay. So it's Ro- Roxy's first night in, in mm-hmm. Murderer's Row. Yeah. And we have the quintessential song of Chicago. Oh? Cell Block Tango. This... This is iconic. Single-handedly wants me... Wants my first dance at my wedding to be the tango because of <laughs> this and Tango Maureen from uh, Ooh, Rent. Yeah, yeah, big t- I, big tango guy. Nice. I wow. And this is also the sexiest you will ever see tango. Yes, combined with murder. Yeah. Um, so now we get into the six merry murderesses of the Cook County Jail in the rendition of, of the cell block tango. tango. So we have our six murderers. We have five murderers and someone who might be innocent. But we don't... Who's to say? Not not Uncle Sam. Not Uncle Sam. (laughs) We'll get to her in a moment. (laughs) So the six merry murderesses are... um, Oh, let's see. Well, let's just go through them. We don't need to know their names. We don't care about their names. We just care about how they did it. So we have Pop... Six, six squish, squish uh uh-uh, uh Cicero, Cicero Lipschitz. So Pop was uh Pop Six. She comes home and she has a husband. He who pops his gum which all, all the time. Is obnoxious. Obno- and I get it. I get it's obnoxious. And she says to him, You pop that gun one more time. And then he did. And then she, quote, fired two warning shots into his head. Now, Joey yeah. played this game earlier with Roxy. Is this murder legitimate? Is this a rational reason to kill someone? I, okay, so, like, possibly. So, <laughs> I don't know. If you ever just had that person in your life that always pops their gum, and, like, they mm-hmm. they don't mean anything by it. Or someone who, like, clicks their pen. Yeah, or, or they click. Foot. It's one of those annoying things. Mm-hmm. Apparently, when I lift heavy things, like, I go... I don't know why. Really? Yeah, someone pointed it out to me once, and I was really offended at the time. Still I am, obviously. It was five years ago. Oh um, <laughs> so, like, we all have our annoying quirks, right? Right, yeah. But part of a relationship, Adam, <laughs> is, is sacrifice. It's seeing past and, the oh, quirk. And seeing past the quirk. Yeah. Or, if you have an annoying quirk, mm-hmm. and you know that it annoys your partner, mm-hmm. it's, it's doing your due diligence mm-hmm. to not always be annoying about okay. it. Okay. But... That said... But... She very clearly says, do it one more time. And then he does. That's true. Okay. I don't know. I She fired two warning shots. Maybe she's just a bad shot. <laughs> but, like, also at the same time, is she a bad shot because she was 100% in her shooting? And both were headshots. Those are two more headshots you can count towards getting your blue tiger camo in Modern Warfare 2 on that intervention. <laughs> A very, very niche comment for the very slim crossover who were big Call of Duty people who were also, also listening like to stage rants. Um, yeah, she's an excellent shot. Okay, so Pop, we say it, it we'll say it's like 60% legitimate. I, I would, I'm going to err on the side of, of, of Pop on this one. Pop. I think she's okay. Okay, so Pop, six. So six, this is... She's found this guy, and he was he was super nice, super sweet, started living together, everything was great. Then she comes to find out he has six more wives. One of those Mormons, Mormons you know. Mormons, you know. <laughs> Which, and I don't know in the 20s if Mormons were still practicing polygamy. That, I know that was like a big part of their whole shtick. 
for a while. Um, uh, but regardless, six murdered and Mr. She... Ezekiel Young from Salt Lake City. Yeah, so from what we gather, from what I gather, one can intuit that Ezekiel did not tell her that he had six other wives. So, is this murder legitimate? Six is a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of wives. I'm going to say right off the bat, this is legitimate. Because one, polygamy is illegal. So if you don't Was know, it in the 1920s? It was. And okay. if you were entering into a polygamous Why do you know that off the top of your head? Don't worry about it. Uh, You're like one of those weird people that are like <laughs> astutely aware of like age of consent laws. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, okay. don't apply that. Um, the, but like, to enter into... It's like Transformers 3, Dark Side of the Moon or whatever, where, have you not, have you not... I want to see the first Transformers Oh, movie. okay, it's the one with Mark Wahlberg, and he has his um, daughter, and he, the daughter is like 17, but the boyfriend's 19, oh. and Mark Wahlberg's just like, what are your intentions with my daughter? Mm-hmm. And he's just like, well, I love her, and he's just like, well, you can't because of laws, and the boyfriend pulls out a note card Whoa. that is printed via Vistaprint, I can only guess. Citrine <laughs> is sponsored by Vistaprint. 500 business uh, <laughs> free. free logo design. Yeah. Um, that like has the statutes of uh-huh. the state of Iowa or whatever state they're on. What the fuck? Anywho, that's where that comes from. Oh, no, no, no. So, so but hold on. Yeah, so this so, is, so this so is to marry, medi- I don't, okay. To marry into a relationship that is illegal without knowing. That'd be like me saying like, hey, let's go down... To my friend's bar, I have some tips to pick up, and then we rob a bank, yeah. but you didn't know we were robbing a bank, because let's just say you were really dumb, but then someone comes to you and is like, hey, you robbed a bank, you're like, no, I went and picked up some tips with my friend Adam. You're innocent, because you didn't know, and so do you have the right to kill your husband for putting you into an illegal relationship? Here's the thing. Legally, I do not because murder but also because this is you can't utilize the defensive crime of passion of this because this is clearly premeditated because she Mm. murders him with arsenic that's you don't just have arsenic sitting around your house you don't you know you don't confuse you know bitters for your old-fashioned with arsenic arsenic, right that's fair so to me this was planned to me at Mm. one point in time she found out about the six wives mm-hmm. and then she determined at that point that i'm going to murder this person so okay. therefore is no longer a crime of passion because mm-hmm. it's not in what is referred to as the heat of the moment um. yes so this was premeditated murder so we are 50 50 on okay our our that's fair okay our murder six squish so adam oh. So she was standing in the kitchen, carving up the chicken for dinner. Minding her own business. And then in storms, her husband Wilbur, in a jealous rage, You've been screwing the milkman! He says he was crazy. <laughs> he kept on screaming, You've been screwing the milkman! And then he ran into my knife. He ran into my knife ten, ten times. times. This one's... Okay, so this Is one... Is this legit? You could make an argument, actually, in this case, for self-defense. Interestingly True. enough, because from the lyrics of the song, he storms into the kitchen in a, a jealous, jealous rage. rage. He is described as being filled with rage. rage. Yeah. If she is already has the knife, and if she's already carving up the chicken... For dinner. For dinner. Minding her own business. Minding her own business. If he comes at her, uh-huh. and if she stabs him, that is self-defense. Where it gets That's a little true. bit more tricky is the nine, nine. other steps. <laughs> nine more times. Because self-defense is always self-defense insofar as you are doing an action to remove yourself from danger. So if it was one time... One time you're And good. then she left, 
We got, okay, so so like you could also make an argument for like a couple more stabs. I don't know any court cases off the top of my head, but like, yeah. But if I stabbed you once, you could feasibly take a step back and come swinging at me again. True. So I could get like two more stabs in there, mm-hmm. and it now, would still also, be considered self defense. It's a carving knife, yes, which are long, long. and so like it probably either depending on what kind of carving knife it either went like mostly through him or all the way through him but also a misconception about knives so knives it's incredibly difficult to stab someone really and it's incredibly it's much more difficult to pull the knife out go on i'm fascinated so, now. I, I mean think of what you are stabbing a knife into you're stabbing a knife into muscle which mm. is very tough you're stabbing it into cartilage which is also very tough and in some mm. cases, you could be hitting bone, right? That's true. So, like, not to get too graphic here, but no, if no, I no. were to stab you in the rib cage with a knife, the knife could mm-hmm. feasibly be stuck between two ribs. Two ribs. Uh, Therefore, it is very difficult to pull the knife out. And then go back in. Right. So, like, if you're ever mm. watching a medieval movie where mm-hmm. you see Vikings, like, hit uh, like hit an axe into someone, mm-hmm. that axe just ain't coming out. Right. I know, I always see, like, in Game of Thrones, they don't have, like, hold the person down and then, like, yes, yank, and then it, yank out. it out. Yes, and yank it out, right? Uh, okay. And so if this was, like, a paring knife, I could see it, right? Mm-hmm. I could see it as, like, a co- jab, jab, jab. But this is... this is <laughs> A carving, carving knife. knife. So this would have had to have penetrated and likely would have penetrated mm-hmm. Wilbur. <laughs> a lot of... Three, four to five potential inches, especially if it's yeah. in the abdomen. If we assume, like, the stomach. In the stomach, which is easier to stab. Because there's no bone there. Correct. Yeah. So, like, I... Initially, I'm sure her legal defense attempted to utilize <laughs> self-defense as an argument. Uh-huh. If I was the state of, of, Illinois, of Illinois, I would likely say, Ah, mm-hmm. uh, wait a second. Ten right. times is a lot. Right. Be- Unless Wilbur's like the Hulk yes. and is continually coming at you. Right. So, legally, she murdered him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's necessarily justified because we don't know from the song whether or not she actually was screwing the milkman. That's true. That is true. Well, okay. So after Squish, we right. get guilty or innocent. Um, I'm gonna say guilty. I'm gonna say guilty. Okay, so you see two guilty, one innocent. Yeah. Uh, now we get uh uh-uh. uh. Uh-uh. Which is uh, by Hunyak. This one's a little bit more difficult to digest. This isn't Hungarian! <laughs> this whole, and there's no subtitles! And there are no subtitles in the stage version either, which makes sense. It's a live performance. It's a live performance. Um, so... This one's a little bit more difficult. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Hungarian, because right. no idea. But what this does translate to is, how did I find myself here? They say my famous lover, neighbor, question mark? Held down my husband, and I cut his head off. But it's not true. I am innocent. I don't know why Uncle Sam says I did it. I tried to explain to the police station, but they didn't understand. And then we have Roxy who says, but did you do it? And she says, "Uh uh-uh, not guilty. So she's learned that much English, understandably so. Which, I mean, if you're being charged with man's, like, of murder, then... Mm -hmm. That's probably a pretty good thing to learn. You should learn like, that. if I'm going to Italy, I need to know how to ask where the bathroom is, mm-hmm. where the sta- like you know the train station how is. How I'm not guilty for a crime. Right. I, but if I'm on trial for murder, I might want to figure out how to say I'm not guilty mm-hmm. in that nation's tongue. Yeah. This is difficult for me because, I'll be honest, like there's not a lot of evidence here. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and just say she's guilty because oh. she literally just says... 
they said I did this, but I didn't do this. I'm not guilty. Mm-hmm. Where were you at the time, ma'am? <laughs> do you have an alibi? I, like, so also, this is the most gruesome of the murders, if it happened. Cutting she off cut off a head. head. <laughs> yeah. I'm, what? I'm going, to, I'm going to stand by her and say that she's innocent. On the grounds of noted 1920s xenophobia. Ooh. The fear of immigrants. So I want to oh, say that's... that they're probably... It's Chicago. It's a major city in the 1920s. And, like, nationalism's on a rise. This is after World War One. Like is... I said, look out for that Hitler. Remember, he's, he's a, a bad, bad egg. egg. Yeah. So, like, they're not... Eastern Europeans in particular were treated poorly at this time. So I want to say this was potentially an issue of, you know... Um, who knows? I'm going to do a quick pause here. Okay, so now we're going to go on to Cicero, which stars yes. our, our second leading lady, I would say, Velma Kelly. Uh, you mean Catherine Zeta-Jones. Catherine Zeta-Jones. <laughs> Velma Kelly. Uh, yeah. She, yeah. And uh, so Velma Kelly, she had a, a, a double act with her sister, and her husband Charlie toured along with them. And, uh, so for the at the end of their act, mm-hmm. a big famous act, big one. They did twenty acrobatic tricks in a row. Mm-hmm. One, two, three, four, five. Split, spread eagles, back flips, flip, flip flops. flops. One, one right, right after, after the, the other. other. I love flip flop. That's I don't know how I really like that flip being flops. being part of it. Uh, yeah. And uh, so they're, like, hanging out after one of their shows mm-hmm. at the Hotel Cicero. And they run out of... And they're drinking. And they run out of ice. Mm-hmm. And Catherine Zeta-Jones is like, okay, I'll go get some. And she comes back and... Oh, no. There's Charlie and... Her sister. Her sister doing number 17. The spread Brim. eagle. <laughs> <laughs> and she apparently, allegedly, was in such a shade of state of shock that she blacked out... She can't remember anything until she was at a sink washing blood off of her hands. Mm-hmm. That she's like, oh no, they're dead. Which we see her washing her hands at the very start of the movie. Yes. And we see that when she gets out of the car, she's stumbling. So, one of two things happened. Was she drunk and killed them? Two, in a fit of rage and the adrenaline, and she's just not like, coming to. So it's probably a mix of both. Okay. Um, because... As we know about the brain during when it experiences trauma, yes, the the brain stops recording or it stops transferring short term memories into mm-hmm. long term memories. Yeah. So she at this point is drunk, mm-hmm. which means that because alcohol they, is already having that effect on her. Because they mentioned she mentions we were at the hotel Cicero boozing, boozing, having a few laughs. laughs. She went to go get ice. Yeah stumbled to go get some ice i, I assume probably and so her brain at this point her what is that the front one the hippocampus uh frontal lobe yeah whatever it is so the part hippocampus yes, yeah that's so the, the hippocampus one. is at this point it's not storing memories the way it should because of alcohol right but she's about to experience trauma and rage which emotional trauma. emotional trauma yeah which could also trigger the same effect like same effects if not mm-hmm. multiply act as a multiplier to the effects of the alcohol mm-hmm. which could account for the possibility of her blacking out and not recalling these events mm-hmm. however there are two dead people yep and she probably did it yes um so is this legit or not I'm gonna say she she probably murdered. 
She probably well, I, well so not, we're not questioning if she murdered. You're them. questioning the legality of the murder. Oh, no, I'm I'm saying is her rationale for murder legit? Uh, like like I yes, I would I would say it is more so legitimate than some of the others because she is catching them in the act. Right. So unlike comes back drunk, catches them in the act. Unlike Squish, mm-hmm. she is not. It's not premeditated murder. And neither is uh, Six. Yes. It's also premeditated. Yes. So it's not necessarily premeditated. Um, She's catching her lover and her sister Mm -hmm. in the act together. Right. I would say it's it's more le- the the re- the rationale is more legitimate mm. than than the other murderers. Mm-hmm. Legally, when she gets off, spoiler alert, I'm not too shocked. No, because of the concept, uh, our, our lack of understanding of how the brain worked in 1920s. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I she's yeah. her rationale makes sense. Yeah. So then we move on to our last so one. So we're what, three, or two to th- three? Two, two to three. Two to three. Yeah. Uh, Lipschitz. Lipschitz. This one, so Lipschitz is fun. Um, <laughs> so Lipschitz is the name of, of, of... The doctor from Rugrats. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and is also the name of the, of the man who was killed named Al Lipschitz. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she really loved him. He was an artist, a painter. A real sensitive type. A real sensitive type. Mm. Uh, he was always trying to find himself, as artists often, often are. Um, but he went out every night trying to, trying to, trying to find himself. And mm-hmm. on the way he found in this order, mm-hmm. Ruth, uh-huh. Gladys, mm. Rosemary, uh-huh. and Irving. So one of two things, I'm just hearing this for the first time, obviously. Either one, he found, um, I guess some flowers, a name tag, and like a, a, an herb. Or he has multiple personality disorder and he cross-dresses. Or he found women. So here's a real quick question. Is Irving... A female name? Yes. Okay. Yes. Damn it. That's not as funny as I thought it was. He's also bisexual. Because (laughs) I've only ever known of one Irving. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Very very old man. Irving Berlin? Okay, two. (laughs) And so when I, when I, whenever I hear this song, I always thought it was funny to think that along his way, he found three females. And a man. And a man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the thing is, he found the first three, and he's like, "Hey, Irving! Hey, Irving! Come here! Come here, baby! We're gonna have a fives an orgy at that point." Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, needless to say, Adam, they broke up because of artistic differences. Because he saw himself alive, and she saw him as dead. Yes. I don't. Is this legit? Is her rationale good? To me, it's not as legit as Cicero because yep. it's not caught in the act. Yeah. At least it's not indicated that it's caught in the act. Mm-hmm. She probably met up with one of these women, or ran into them, or saw him with them. Yes. Or, you know, he was dumb enough to, like, go all the way to his apartment door with, with one, of, one them, of them. And he heard she heard a female voice and was like, wait a minute, hang on. So they had it coming. They had it coming. <laughs> they only had themselves to blame. Yeah. So, last minigame with... With, with the cell block, cell block tango. tango. The longest... Who had the coolest murder? Who had the coolest murder? Well, I mean, if the Hungarian woman cut off a guy's head, that's pretty <laughs> that's badass. That's pretty freaking metal. That's awesome. I... Uh... You know... You, there, you, I don't know how you want to rank this, because, like, in terms of fits of passion, Cicero wins. Like... Yeah. I come back from getting ice, because we're just... 
drinking together. And in the time it took for me to go get ice, which I'm assuming in a hotel is like down the hallway, my husband Depending, and, it's the 1920s. Could have been the next, like, you know, maybe yeah. the, the drugstore at the corner. But like still, you know, in the time, maybe like 10 minutes, husband and sister are like, let's do this real quick. Like dumb victims and, you know, fit of passion. Cool. Most metal, the Hungarian. Yeah. Cut off a guy's head. Cut off a dude's head. Her husband's she head. She cut off the head. Yeah. The boyfriend, her famous lover, held him down. Yeah. Which is wild. Which is crazy. Also things that are super difficult to do. Yeah. Cutting off someone's head. Yeah. They did not have circular saws. No. I mean, they probably did, did. But she did not have access to no. a circular saw. Unless she was in, like, a meatpacking... Well, then again, Chicago's full of that shit, too. So, well, maybe... you know what time it is? It's time for an intermission. Pause! Intermission over! And we're back. Burp. So we're back. Um, so... So we've met we've met our fun female characters. Mm-hmm. And so now we're gonna dive into it a little bit to the relationship between Roxy... Mm-hmm. And Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yes. So Zeta-Jones is living the high life, mm-hmm. um, and she's not happy because Roxy is now trying to take Billy Flynn, who is a wildly successful yes. Richard Gere. <laughs> yes. So this happened, defense attorney in Chicago. Yes. Yeah, so Roxy is like doing favors for Velma Kelly. We find out she like washed her underwear, which is not something that you do. Apparently, apparently, according to Miss Miss Kelly, God, prison's gross. Uh, yeah, um, and she overhears Velma talking to Mama about Billy Flynn, and so Roxy comes in to Mama's office and is like, "Hey, I want this guy too," and she's just like, "Well, he's really expensive." Yeah. And but all he cares about is love. Yeah, so we get this amazing number called All They Care About Is Love. Richard Gere can sing. He's good. He's good in this. Yeah. I like Richard Gere in this. And so, uh, why is that beeping? It's, uh, sir, you do not need to back up your truck that much. Thank you. Um, anyway. So, all I care about is love. All he cares about is love. So, it, it's it's kind of annoying to me because they're like, all he cares about is love, but he also charges $3,000. $5,000. $5,000. Yeah. Cool. $5,000. Which I did the math on what the inflation rate... Let's say it's 1926. I used 1926 right in the middle of the 20s. That's about $69,000 <laughs> in today's money. That's what he's here for. Um, so... I do find it funny that it was 69000 Nice. Anyway. Nice. <laughs> um... Jesus Lord. Um, so we meet Billy Flynn. Yep. And now, like, Roxy's stardom is rising. It's about to rise. It's about to rise. It's essentially rising. We can, like, skip mm-hmm. through this, because, like, uh, a lot of this... Yeah. And we'll just kind of, like, talk about the musical numbers, because they mm-hmm. squeeze a lot of numbers in here very quickly. They do. So yeah. we... Like Velma's act, one right after the other. One right after the other. <laughs> and so Billy Flynn is like, Roxy, fine, I'll take on your case. Like, mm-hmm. we need to talk about who you are as a person. Real quick before we get into that, we also find out that Amos has been working with Roxy on the outside to get money to get her out. Not yet. Not yet? Not yet. I thought he did. 
Not yet. Oh, they're jumping around? Kind of. Okay. Because what he what happens is... So as they're coming up with all of these ploys uh-huh. to reinvent Roxy's character... Right. Because now she's going to have been a runaway from a convent. Right. Her parents are dead. Mm-hmm. Um, from the South. Yep. From Which... the South. She came to the North in Chicago and has been exposed to the sin that is... Hot jazz. Jazz and booze. Jazz and booze. So, like, they're reinventing all these things. Mm -hmm. And as a ploy to, like, increase her stardom even more, Mm -hmm. Roxy faints at one point in prison while the press are there. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, oh, man, I just Mm -hmm. hope that the baby's okay. Mm -hmm. And the press take this and run. And that is where Amos then is just like, oh, my gosh, you have my child. Now I'm going to help you. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. I know. No. Right here. We're not... Fi- don't fight me on this, I'm looking- a, a, it does not matter. I'm looking at the synopsis. A, it does not matter. Uh, the synopsis is out of order, by the way. It is. It puts Mama Mort- Morton's song before Cell Block Tango. Don't fight me on this. No, so, she does all these different plots uh, and all these different ploys. Mm-hmm. And, like, they talk through all of these plots mm-hmm. and ploys through. We both reached for the gun. Which is a fun one. This one is... This one's a lot. This is... This is fun. The most intense of the musical numbers, I would say, besides Razzle Dazzle. So, like, if you're coming up, if you're a PR guy, Mm -hmm. and you're like, I need to get the news to run with this, what do you need? A catchy headline. Yep. We both reached for the gun. So that is the main defense Mm -hmm. of Roxy Hart. Right. Is that in a fit of, like, anger, her Mm -hmm. and And Fred both reached for a gun. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she got to it first and defended herself. We also, it's added that he came at her. Yes, he came out at her. And then they yeah. both reached for the gun. Mm-hmm. And so, in the song, we both reached for the gun. Mm-hmm. It is... Uh, the, the parallel is that Richard Gere... <laughs> is doing a ventriloquist act. Is now a ventriloquist. And he's also he can also do puppets. And so he's working... The puppets are a later addition to the song, and it's very unnerving. It's a lot. You see, like, a four-story tall <laughs> Richard Billy... Gear. Richard Gere. Richard <laughs> Gere. And you're like, oh, God. Um, it's a, it's a suspension of deli- belie- disbelief. It's very well done. <laughs> of belief, of um, belief, d- disbelief. D- d- belief. Um, yes. And so, like, great song. Good song. And he can work the press. Yeah. But Roxy is mm-hmm. trying to, like, spice things up. She breaks character at she, one point. Yes. Well, a couple, like, two, she tries to, like, throw in things a couple times. They're so like, are you mm-hmm. sorry? And she's like, are, are you, you kidding? kidding? Yeah. And, and it's like, no, sis, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Yeah. And there's one reporter in particular who pops up multiple times. I want to point her out. Sunny. Miss, uh, oh, what is her name? It's Sunny something. Miss, where is it? Both reach for the gun. Oh my goodness. Mary Sunshine. Mary Sunshine is the uh, tabloid columnist who is sympathetic to her. Who plays? Who is played by Christine Baranski. Of course it is. Who also is in Mamma Mia! Exclamation point. Here we go again. And Mamma Mia. And Mamma Mia. Just Mamma Mia. Exclamation point. Yeah, both. So, uh... Flynn and Sunshine seem to have a thing going. Like, they keep making, like, signs at each other. Yeah. Like, she's going to write the sensational news that's going to get every one of Flynn's, you know. I wonder if they, like, have a deal. Like, if she gets a cut of every Probably. case he wins. Um, so, like, it's interesting. It's unique. It's fun. I love We Both Reach for the Gun. We Both Reach for the Gun is phenomenal because it's mm-hmm. it's... 
a very like you know ham-fisted just like look at him treating the press like puppets yes and so it establishes that billy is very very good at his job he is truly as tay Diggs says the silver-tongued prince of the courtroom what an awesome title that's a great title i want to throw that up on linkedin yeah. <laughs> um i have no law experience but please call me the silver-tongued prince of the courtroom right so like as roxy is seeing her stardom rise velma is seeing hers fade to the point that her her court date is canceled. Yeah, just canceled. Like, she's not going to get a day in court. You're not going to court. You're just going to stay here for a while. Yeah. Um, and so she, in an unfortunate and uncomfortable, desperate attempt to bring her and Roxy together, she sings I Can't Do It Alone, in which she describes at length <laughs> <laughs> what the Sister Act was. What the Sister Act was and what it could be with Roxy. Mm-hmm. Real quick... Is Roxy interested? Oh, no. She's not interested. Real quick side note here. Catherine Zeta-Jones was three months pregnant when she performed this. impressive. Which is so impressive because at one point she dives onto a table on her stomach. That child was imbued with jazz! (laughs) (laughs) We beat the jazz into that baby from a young age. Yeah. Um, So, like, do we like I Can't Do It Alone? I think it's, it's a fun variety of music. But, like, other than that, I will say this. Seeing this number done live is more impressive than the movie. I'm it, I'm sure it would be. Because with the movie, you can do cuts and you can, like, right. let's take a break and then we'll do this next big one. Seeing it live is impressive because this is one woman doing, as you mentioned you know earlier, like, a two-act show by herself. Right. So, like, there's that. But it's okay. It's also the only musical number that doesn't take place on a stage but takes place in the prison in the prison so this is the one it's because there's no escapism in this there's no break from reality yeah there's no break from reality in this one right it's just velma being incredibly sad (laughs) yeah it's so sad you're like no Catherine, you're better than this yeah uh and so you know that's that's it um and so then uh after that, uh, Roxy is in prison with Velma. Nothing has changed. We're still waiting for Roxy's court date. Meanwhile, there's a third murder. Uh, Which doesn't, like... It, 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 so it, it really... The only point of this is to, like, elevate the fact that, that like, that everything Ro- is temporary and you're not special. Right. So we find out that there's a pineapple heiress. A pineapple. Played by Lucy Liu, right. who I can only imagine is part of the Dole family, because there's no other pineapple... The Dole animal. family is really dark. Have you ever read into them? I mean, we can get into the whole history of Hawaii, which is dark as fuck. But, like, specifically the Doles. Oh, the Doles are messed up. Like, go read it. Yeah. Like, just Google the pause Dole this, family. Pause this podcast. Google the Dole family. I just don't like... Oh You'll never God. eat a pineapple again. Um... Pineapple's so good. Why do they have... I know. It's, it, pineapples are literally... Were, were and mm-hmm. in some countries still are, like, freaking blood diamonds. Yeah. It's why... Why? You go to the south today in Georgia, you'll see people with statues of pineapples. It's absolutely ridiculous. Crazy. Anyway. So, like, there's another murderer, and mm. so, like, this is pulling some of Billy Flynn's attention. Away from Roxy. And so then she does the fake pregnancy thing. Right. Um, and so then the... Uh, we see Flynn and the doctor kind of corroborate 
And he's like, she's not really pregnant, right? And the doctor's like, no, she's not really pregnant. And it's very clear that, like, she's not. She's faking it. She's not. Obviously. But she also sleeps with the doctor. True. It's implied that she sleeps with the doctor so that he will, co- like, corroborate. Right. Co- 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 corroborate. Co- corroborate? That word. Yep. He'll do that. Um, he'll uh, <laughs> he'll collude. We'll use uh, some modern terminology here. He'll collude with, with Flynn and Roxy and... At this point, Amos then finds out, like, oh my gosh, a baby, I must be, I must be the husband. At this point, we learn that Amos is not a very bright man, because more than nine months has passed since Roxy was put into prison. Right. Which means, unless Amos has, like, time-delayed sperm, that's not how anything works. Uh, so... We need to talk about Mr. Cellophane. We have Mr. Cellophane here. So, first and foremost, it's important to note... That John C. Riley is really into clown stuff. <laughs> so, yep. like, oh my god. So, like, you know how Joaquin Phoenix got, like, really into clown stuff, too, for the Joker? Because method acting, and he did a great job. He did. John C. Riley is, is, unironically. Obs- is unironically obsessed with clowns. And it's not like he did it for this role. He just really likes clowns. And so Mr. Cellophane... Is a fever dream of a song about how John C. Riley feels as though no one can see him, which no one really can. Which no one really can. Every time he talks to Billy Flynn, he's like Andy, Andrew, like, and he claims to be the father, and no one cares. Like, <laughs> he's in a whole crowd of reporters, and he's like, "I'm the father, I'm the father." Everyone walks away, not even batting an eye at him, and he just like it's just not a good song. The thing is, this is the song you put in a musical because they need to like change the, the set, or it's the because they song, yeah, or because they need to like the the main leads need to do, execute an extended costume change. Like mm-hmm. that is what Mr. Cellophane is. I will say, seeing this live is Cellophane. is better depending on. The Amos that you get. Mm. Um, you know, I saw it live. At one point, one of the like backup dancers comes out at the very end of the song, holds up a sign that says, don't clap. <laughs> and so it ends, <laughs> and you just sit there, and depending on the Amos, he either just walks off sad, or the one I saw in Cincinnati was just like, screw you, and like, <laughs> like threw his hands at the audience, and then like walked, like stormed off the stage. So, like, it's... I like those sad walk-off, because that seems like much more of a Amos character. Yeah. He's, um, I don't think he's confrontational enough to say screw you. There is also note, like, after the courtroom scene, which we'll get to in a moment here, um, every character says, and every version of Chicago that I've seen has the band on stage, and at times they interact with the um, the band direct, the band leader. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Billy Flynn's like, play me off! And they have this big, you know, Billy Flynn theme that goes off. At the end, Amos is like, play me off! Nothing happens. <laughs> He's like, play, play me off! And one trombone goes... Bruh. Jesus, And Lord. that's it. Um, it's just get, a boring song. A I don't care. Yeah. I don't care about Mr. Cellophane. Yeah. So, one song we did skip over I want to get back to real quick is... Roxy. <sighs> Also, what is that noise? We apologize, listeners. There is... What is happening? I can't tell. Is that an astronaut? (laughs) Spaceman? What? 
I think someone's cleaning an AC unit outside of where we're recording. Yeah, they're cleaning an AC unit. Also, there's a couple hugging. That's cute. Oh, God, his hair is awful. That man has long hair. Oh, my God. Oh, it's going in the ponytail. Well, because it's hot outside, Adam. It must go in the ponytail. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, now that we refer to purely visual things on this audio-only uh, medium. Do you, do you think he knows that he's allowed to wear clothes that aren't all black? I don't... Even his socks and shoes are black. Who hurt you? His sunglasses are black. He's well, like, angsty. But he has blonde hair, so it's like enough... It's a fun little juxtaposition. Yeah, but it's like dirty blonde hair. That's fair. Like, he, he's one of those people who, like, just doesn't wash his hair. And... Yeah. Yeah, we're not cutting this out. Um, nope, nope. <laughs> it's okay. been a very distracted episode. Anyway. Roxy. Roxy. Uh, this is when Roxy realizes that she is going to have... She's found stardom. She's found publicity. It's her dream fulfillment song. Yes. Uh, she's going to see her name in light. It, to me, there's not... And this is why it was so easy for me to skip. It's, she's just like, I'm going to be famous. Literally. It's okay. It's a good parody song. Like it's good to it's fun to see parodies of this song. Yes. For example, the Saturday Night Live Kellyanne Conway. Conway, yeah, did an awesome cover of this. And yes. that one was hilarious. Also This one isn't funny. It's not even really awe inspiring. You're just watching and you're like It's it You're it's, gonna be famous. It's visually impressive, and that's about yeah. it. Yeah. You get like a like a men's chorus. Backup yeah. dancers. The name on everybody's lips is gonna be Conway. Conway. Oh, see, I, even I prefer the Conway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we did skip that one, but it's just it's it's just there. Anyway, I feel like this would be really cool. That would be, Roxy would be great to see on stage. But it's like in a movie, you're just like okay. Seeing Roxy on stage, there is a point where she comes out. She's reading a newspaper. And she's like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's me. And she holds it to the audience, breaks the fourth wall entirely, and like hands the newspaper then to the band leader. Like, here, look at this. Read this. She takes the baton from him and tries to like conduct Roxy. And then he like steals it back from her and is like, let me do it. And then it goes into the song. Roxy on stage is much more fun because it's it's more of a goofy character that works better live than it Mm. does... On film, because she just seems like stuck up, stuck up, yeah. In this, I don't just, yeah. I'm not. I never rooted for her. There's never. I rooted for Velma Kelly more than I rooted for Roxy. I rooted for Velma Kelly to take down Roxy in the courtroom, (laughs) as opposed to seeing Roxy succeed. Right. So the courtroom. Yes. Now we get to the courtroom. Now it's the people's court. Dun dun dun. dun. (laughs) So like, I so I like the court sequence. Mm Hmm. Um, because who doesn't like a good court sequence? Like so, like, it bounces around a lot, but mostly before, through the song before, Razzle Dazzle. Yes. Okay, there we go. Well, yeah, it takes place during it. I thought it took place before. No, it takes place during it. The song is the court scene. Oh, you're right. You're yeah. right. I'm sorry. I apologize. Give them the old Razzle Dazzle. Razzle Dazzle them. I, this song, this was so much fun. Because it yeah. literally transforms... The courtroom into a circus. Literal circus. A literal circus. Yeah. There is a, like, someone juggling. There's someone that blows fire. This is now a literal, like, kangaroo court circus. Yeah. Um, 
And this is all while the, like, this is all going on. It's, there's not, it doesn't add a lot to the plot. No. Except to show that Billy Flynn is a phenomenal defense attorney. Yeah. My, this, this music, or sorry, this, this song in particular, I think much like, you know, Think of Me from Piano of the Opera, You Can't Stop the Beat from Hairspray, even Memory from Cats has been taken out of the musical and just performed as its own right. many, many times. Um, there's actually a performance of Joel Grey, who played Ooh. the original wizard in Wicked and was the original MC in Cabaret and played Amos in the revival in 96. There's a clip of Joel Grey singing Razzle Dazzle on Sesame Street from, like, the late 90s. Oh. It's a trip because they didn't change many of the lyrics... And it's still about, like, fooling a courtroom, but it's with, like, Elmo. What? Yeah. Why? We'll, we'll, we'll watch it after this. Um, my favorite line is, um, throw them a fake and a finagle, they'll never know you're just a bagel. bagel. Which I've never heard anyone been called a bagel before. I'm gonna start using it. And, like... When people walk out of the room, I'm just gonna be like, what a bagel. <laughs> like, that seems like a New like a New York insult. Like an old New York Jew being like, hey, such a bagel! Such a bagel! Such a bagel! Not a Chicago. It's more like, what are you, a hot dog? Anyway, that's all I know about Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> they got the crazy hot dog with the pepper and the pickle. Anyway. Um... Um, so, yeah, like, razzle-dazzle. Razzle-dazzle. And so, like, then comes, like, the climax. Yes. And so, essentially, long story short, what happens is they try to, they bring Velma Kelly to the stand. Which the, the DA has made a deal with her, saying, right. if you testify in Roxy Hart's case, you get to go free. Right. So she doesn't need a court trial Which anymore. wild to me, by She the just way. gets to go free. Yeah, she just gets to go home. Um, and Sweet. But, so, like, Velma is there to present Roxy's diary. Mm-hmm. Di- the diary was not brought forth in Discovery. No. Which is... So Discovery... Go ahead, I have no idea. So Discovery is the portion of a legal proceeding in which both sides will produce and accept or reject evidence. Mm. So in a murder case, this is where you would bring forth the murder weapon if you had it, correct photos of the crime scene, and then the judge would rule whether or not that evidence was admissible Mm -hmm. or if it was not pertinent to the case. Mm -hmm. So the diary was not produced in Discovery. Mm. Which they don't, in my honest opinion, they don't talk nearly enough about in this. Um, (laughs) They mention just like, your honor, like, we haven't discussed the diary. And I'm like, it wasn't produced in Discovery. But they're just like, but then the judge is just like, sustained. And I'm like, what? (laughs) You could literally get a mistrial for this shit. But it's fine. It's fine. Oh, well. And so they're like, is this your diary? And Roxy's just like, or she's like, they, a- they asked Velma, did you find this? Yes. No. No. Who gave it to you? Mama did. Okay, who gave it to Mama? I don't know. She didn't say. It was sent to her. Right. So then we have the mystery of someone... So now we have... Oh my gosh. So the chain of evidence and the care for evidence is such a big thing, right? Like this... And this plays has played a role in almost every single high-profile murder case. It was a huge deal, the chain of custody of the evidence of even OJ's glove. Like... Mm-hmm. It's such a big deal. Yeah. And so that's honestly how this case ends, mm. is because the chain of custody with the diary 
Yes. So that, and it was also alluded to that the diary was altered, was altered by a lawyer, by the DA. Yeah. To try and get Roxy in jail. Yeah. Because we learn in a newsreel segment, very briefly, <laughs> that the DA says it'll be a hanging case before the end of the month. She'll hang before the end of the month. And then, like, she's all, he's also running for governor of Illinois, which is just thrown in. It's like, <laughs> here's the DA subplot. It's like freaking whiplash. So the dude with the blonde hair and the black car. Is he back? Or bla- and all black. No, he drives an all black Ford Focus. With black with rims. Blacked out, he's blacked out his rims. What does that bumper sticker say? Or what's that side sticker say on that back left window? Hang on. Back gonna, right window. I'm going to zoom in with my Enhance. Phone. Enhance. I can't tell. You can't tell. I can't tell. Well, that blurry photo would be deemed inadmissible. Oh! <laughs> in discovery! <laughs> Tying it back into this plot. And so, like, a lot happens at the end of the trial. And mm. they're eventually, they're just like, okay, essentially, fuck it. Mistrial. Yeah. Chain of custody. Roxy, uh, you're innocent. Roxy, you're innocent. Bye. Yeah. And she's like, oh my gosh, I'm and probably going to be And the moment that she was deemed innocent, another murder happens! Some woman just Literally. murders a man on the steps of the courthouse. <laughs> right away. Which, like, bold. Bold choice. Yeah, yeah. She's not even trying to get away from it. No. Yeah, she, she's going to hang for sure. Oh. <laughs> um... And so, like, then Roxy is just like, well, okay, I'm a little bummed now because I'm not going to be famous. Yep. The press is a fickle bitch, I guess. And I love Billy Flynn's last line of like, well, that's Chicago. That's Chicago, baby! God save Illinois! <laughs> and he walks out. And he walks out. And so, like, it, there's, it's not really important to talk about, but, like, Roxy's just like, I'm gonna do some auditions, but no one wants her. And then Velma mm-hmm. Kelly shows up, and she's just like, I want you, baby. We're gonna do a show together. And it ends with this huge showstopper number. Which I'm confused about nowadays. How did they get it? <laughs> so, like, imagine this was the real world. And, like, let's say, you know, uh, Kristen Chenoweth and Adina Menzel were both mur- like murderers <laughs> and then Wicked came out and they're like hey remember those dames who killed their husbands come watch them sing together it's like what I'm so, confused some important things to note first and foremost it's the 1920s right second murderers are actually the least likely of any type of criminal activity to be reincarcerated really yes so technically if you're looking to hire someone Hire a murderer because they're statistically less likely to commit any other crime in their life than someone who was a pedophile or literally anything else. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Statistically the lowest, uh, uh, whatever it's called, um, um, no, uh, oh my gosh, um, (laughs) we're keeping it in, um, I know what you're talking about. I'm gonna... The, the, the rate in which you do it the same crime again. Yes. Yeah. Or you're... Okay, keep talking. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so then, this ending... I don't... I like nowadays. Um, mostly the fast-paced musical number, or dance number, after the actual lyrics of the song. Um, because it's kind of a summary of the whole message. Recidivism! There it is. They have the lowest recidivism rate. Yes, there it is. That is what it is. Um, what a fun word to say. Recidivism. 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 Um, I the best part of the nowadays. ending number is no, when they is. yeah of now well it's it's technically called like what nowadays slash 
um, hot honey ra- yeah hot honey rag love the hot honey rag hot honey rag <laughs> it's just so so much is happening you're just like kind of having a mild aneurysm watching this it's yeah. just like oh my god a lot's happening mm-hmm. best part obviously is the very ending where with, they, the, with the machine gun with the Tommy guns and they shoot out the lights on a hundred foot by hundred foot wall of just bulbs Velma and Roxy Roxy and Velma yeah it's a pretty cool ending it is what confuses me is why would Billy Flynn go there? Why would Billy Flynn be there? Well, he be, doesn't so seem like the type of guy to go and like revisit old cases. But he, yeah, to me, he's not revisiting old cases. He's mm. going to the Chicago Theater for a sold-out show. That's fair. Yeah, he's a high-class man. That's Billy true. Flynn. He does only ask for love That's in true. return and $69,000. Right, right. Also, Mama's there. And Mama's wearing a suit. Good for her. Did you notice that? I did not notice She's that. She's wearing a suit. Why is she wearing a suit? She's a 1920s lesbian, maybe. Wasn't she put in jail? Mama? Wasn't there, like, a thing where she was arrested for attempting to... No. No. I thought, I thought she was, like, arrested because she took bribes, and then she was a part of the forging of the diary. Like, forging of the diary. Nope. Maybe that's just in the book. Um... <laughs> So that's Chicago. Yeah. That's a fun one. That's a fun one. Do you want to play a fun minigame? Let's play a fun minigame. Rehash the cast. Ooh. Round two, baby. All right. So everyone knows from our previous podcast, because you've listened to them all in one sitting, of course, of course. that with every musical, there's mm-hmm. this like long list of alternative potential castings for each of the characters. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, these musicals could have gone in wildly different directions, Yeah, such as Tom Hanks playing a... Oh, any of the roles. He's popped up multiple times. Yeah. Tom Hanks was not considered for Chicago, unfortunately. Oh. So, Roxy Hart. Play by Renee Zellweger. Would you prefer Renee Zellweger or the alternative potential casting of Charlize Theron? I'll stick with Renee. I'm going with Charlize. Really? Because I just hated Renee. (laughs) (laughs) And at this point, anything else. Is better than... That's fair. Uh, so Mama... Matron Mama Morton. This is an interesting list. Options were... Of course, Queen Latifah was cast as the role. Other options included Kathy Bates, <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg, Bette Midler... Mm. Which I kind of would have liked to have seen. Some say love, it is a murder. <laughs> And uh, Rosie O'Donnell. What the? Why Rosie O'Donnell? I know Rosie's done Broadway work before, but like, no. I'm going to switch. I'm going to rehash the cast and go with Kathy Bates. I Mm. love Kathy Bates. She's a powerhouse. She's a powerhouse. And whether, like, I'm just imagining she has a kick-ass Miss Hannigan. In Annie. She does. So, of course, she would make a wonderful yeah. prison warden. Kathy Bates is good. I'm going to go with Bette Midler, mostly because I've just watched The Politician Season 2. Ooh, solid show. And Bette Midler was my favorite part of that season. She was a lot of fun. Um, and also, just Bette Midler in general is just an awesome human being, in my opinion. She's just fun. Like, she's, she's just, she, yeah. Did she have any controversies? No. Not that I've heard of. She got her start playing in the Continental Bathhouse in New York to a bunch of gay men. 
Oh my god, that's I have heard this. Her her performance name was Lady M. Lady M. Lady M. I'm like, that's amazing. What a place to get your start. Billy Flynn. Mm-hmm. So you got Richard Gere. Right. Adam, would you prefer either John Travolta oh. or Michael Jackson? <sighs> I But why? You know <laughs> why? Why? Like, all he cares about is love. Like, give him the old razzle-dazzle. Oh! oh razzle-dazzle. Like, I don't understand. No. 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 What? John Travolta would just be boring. I just don't, yeah. He's not suave. He's not suave enough. He tries to be, but when he the harder he tries, the worse, the more uncomfortable. He I was am. great when he was Edna Turnblad in Hairspray. Killed it, amazing. Because he's not trying to play suave. He's he's playing a morbidly obese <clears throat> woman from the sixties. Yeah, and he was great in that. Role. I'm sticking with Richard Gere. Yeah, Richard Gere. If it was Richard Gere, Bette Midler, keep Renee. That's fine. So just change it to bet. Bring in bet. Bring in bet. Yeah. Bet, get in here. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> As she sashays into the room. And she's only like five feet tall. I know. Isn't she fun sized? She's so small. <laughs> I have another game for you, Adam. Mm. This one I'm excited about. Okay. So there's a reoccurring character on this show because she's wonderful. Oh. Adam, we're going to play a game called <clears throat> Share. With Cher. Ooh, Cher with Cher. From now on, we have to place, <laughs> we have to cast Cher mm-hmm. in every show that mm-hmm. we review. Okay. So where in Chicago are you placing Cher? And this is Cher. She's a fucking powerhouse. You can put her anywhere. Hungarian. She can, yeah. She, she's the Hungarian. The, the person who says six lines and then hangs. No, no, not the Hungarian. Yeah, no. Do not waste the talents of Cher. Um, where would Cher not fit in, but would also steal the show? That's what I'm thinking. So that's why I'm casting her as Billy Flynn. Billy Flynn. I want a drag. Oh God. I want a drag king version of Billy Flynn, played by Cher. Cher. Uh huh. Oh God. Give him the old razzle dazzle, razzle dazzle um. <laughs> Yeah. Throw him a fake oh enough a nagel. They'll never know you're just a bagel. A bagel. Share <laughs> is Billy Flynn. I. Oh, God. <laughs> and I, she wears also to sell the fact that she's a man. She draw. She wears a drawn-on pencil mustache. Oh God. <laughs> yep. Okay. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure if Cher would be too happy about that role. I think Cher would do a great job, honestly, as Velma, because oh. Velma plays the her character is kind of this mildly mm-hmm. kind of ish washed up yeah. famous person. Mm-hmm. Cher. 
Cher, a mildly washed-up famous person. And I just, like, uh, imagine Cher through all the Botox. It's not Cher back when the movie was made. It's Cher now. That's important. Oh, it's 2020 Cher. It's 2020 Cher. Imagine Botoxed out Cher playing <laughs> Velma Kelly. And just being like, I just can't do it alone. <laughs> Come on, babe. We're gonna paint the town. And all that, that jazz. <laughs> Adam, this has been the first round of Cher with Cher. <laughs> well, because not... Cher demands that she have a place mm. wherever Cher would like a place. Very true. So Cher is on the Kelly will be good, and Cher is Billy Flynn, I think, would also be good. Uh, this has been another episode of Stage Rant. Thank you for tuning in and listening. Right to the end, we appreciate it. We thank you. But next week... Well, pause. Oh, pause. Oh, wait. We have a scale to do. We forgot. I, I apologize. I deeply apologize. I have the scale even pulled up. You have it pulled up. I saw you clicked on I it. I do. So, I Adam, do. our scale this week yes. is going to be the six most famous female killers. Ooh, okay. Because while it may be true Literally that 90% of murders are perpetrated by men, mm-hmm. uh, that means there are 10%. These are the six. These are the six. These are the other six. So this list has the likes of Lizzie Borden, mm-hmm. Nanny Doss, Ooh. Amelia Dyer, and Casey, Casey Anthony. Anthony. She's number six. Because I guess she's the nice. less bad of the six most famous. I remember being in Florida when this was happening. <laughs> I was at Disney World. <laughs> you should have gone to the, the courthouse. I was also like ten. Yeah, go to the courthouse. So, you oh. can tell evil. Actually, no, I would have been 12. I was 12. Oh my goodness. I was 12. Weird. So, we're going to say that Lizzie Borden is is one. So, if Chicago is one, then it's perfect. Okay. And if it's Casey Anthony and this fits, it's the worst. The worst. Um, Where are you placing Chicago? It's a Lizzie Borden. It's a, it's Liz- a Lizzie Borden it's for me. It's a Lizzie Borden for you. Yeah. Let's see what does say, Lizzie Borden. Here. So Lizzie Borden, this is where you get. You've probably heard this before. It's the mm-hmm. like classic nursery rhyme that you say to haunt your child at night. The Lizzie Borden took an axe, gave her mother forty wax. When she saw what she had done, she gave her father forty one. Lizzie Borden was messed up. Yeah. So, uh, reading the description, the Lizzie Borden case grew from sensationalized proportions in the eighteen nineties to full fledged urban legend in more recent history. Perhaps one of America's most famous female killers, Borden is notorious for allegedly bludgeoning her father and stepmother to death with a hatchet. With a hatchet. Borden's distaste for her stepmother was commonly known, and aside from the maid, she was the only person who was home on the afternoon of the killings. She quickly fell under a heavy curtain of suspicion, especially after she burned the dress she wore the day of the murders and provided inconsistent testimonies. Despite the scrutiny she faced, Lizzie's jury only deliberated for ten minutes before finding her not guilty. The crime was never solved. It's like Richard Kind. It's unfortunate that it's not guilty, but I just imagine this Mm -hmm. jury is being led. The foreman is Mm -hmm. Richard Kind's character from the producers. Oh my god. First it's like, your honor, we find the defendant incredibly guilty. guilty. (laughs) Yeah. Like... So yeah, they found her not guilty. They were just like, 10 minutes, not guilty. You're good. Go home. See you, Lizzie. You're a, this is the perfect musical for you. Yeah. Okay, no flaws? No. Nothing. In terms of a movie musical, nothing. Okay. Nothing about this. Even Mr. Cellophane. The, the staging, 
of having this almost be like a dream sequence for Roxy of how she sees the world mm. through the musical performances. Even that quick cut in all that jazz where she sees herself on stage. I love this movie musical. It's not my favorite musical. But it's my favorite movie musical because it marries so perfectly the world of Broadway and stage performance with the cinematic world of film. I love this movie musical. It's great. I think it's perfect. I thought Hairspray was the most perfect movie musical, but I think this one wins. Hmm. It also won Best Picture at the Academy Awards. Then again, the Academy is a bunch of just old white guys. They're probably like, wow, sexy ladies. Lingerie. Oh. Wow, I feel like I've been given the old razzle-dazzle. I'm yeah. going with Eileen Warnos. Hmm. So she was, 1990s, she was like America's first female serial killer. Mm-hmm. It's usually the headline she's given, even though it's gotcha. not technically true. She mm-hmm. killed 11 dudes in Florida while hitchhiking. She claimed all of them yeah. were self-defense. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And then the jury was like, um, no. <laughs> I, I knew her as the trucker murderer. Yes. So yeah. that, was, that was her. Um, she had like a troubled home life. She had a mm-hmm. child at age 14 kicked out of the house. She wears a sex worker. Yeah. All those all those types of things um Mm -hmm. but yeah 11 confirmed kills they think there's more but they they got her for 11 yeah um to me it's it's pretty freaking close like it's pretty close to being perfect Mm -hmm. my only problem with it comes from the actual musical components of it oh where i'm not crazy about all of the songs Huh. Like, class is a pain in the ass. Uh, sell- Mr. Cellophane. Yeah. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Honey at the beginning, it's it's okay. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's, it's not enough for a musical to have, like, three perfect songs. Mm. If the rest of them are filler. That's fair. And this is nothing, and that doesn't have anything to do with 2002's production of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more so just the, it's just the musical itself. Gotcha. That's fair enough. And John C. Riley clown stuff, a little, a little uncomfortable. A little weird. A little weird. Yeah. Come on, John C. Riley. Get better. <laughs> Just white, white clowns. You have enough money to do anything. Yeah. And you chose clown stuff. Yeah. So that's Chicago. Yeah. So uh, next week on Stage Rant, we're going to be going uh, further back in time. I also realized we have done other than Mamma Mia exclamation point. Here we go again. None of the musicals we talked about have taken place in the modern day. <laughs> There's not a ton. There aren't many that take place in the modern day. And we're going back, I was going to be 10 years prior to Chicago in 1916. If we say it's 1926 that this took place. We're going to be visiting jolly old London next jolly, week. Jolly old good London town. We're going to be joined by Miss Emily Blunt and Mr. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Lin-Manuel. <laughs> doing the worst Cockney accent ever. It's not great. Uh, in Disney's... 2019, no, 2018. 2018. 2018 Christmas musical. God, I f- freaking love Mary Poppins Returns. Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, I'm so excited. We will you see love you. it or you hate it. Yeah, and I think it's safe to say that, well, we don't want to spoil the episode for next week, but it's pretty good. Underneath the lovely London sky. This has been Stage Rant. <laughs>